myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot see Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Braith. It's Wednesday, midweek, means it's Geordie's here. Geordie's there with George, Mitch, Steve Hasty, Alba Lead and Stu Penman. Steve Wilkinson might be joining us later. And Stu's got to dash off for another flight halfway through, but uh, you still have time to have a bit crack uh, about Newcastle United. And um, a couple of weeks left now, lads. Uh, George, are you yes. getting a bit nervous that we haven't got these attacking players in yet? Uh, Eddie Howe in the Chronicle tonight. Um no. Saying that uh, he's still happy with the way things have gone and uh, he wants the right players rather than doing speedy deals this summer. And, it, and that's that's exactly right. That's what I was about to say myself. I'd rather see we get uh, people that we, need, that we want, not just need, uh, instead of what we've had in the past where we're scrambling around for loans. Uh, I mean, last last year, <laughs> the amount of time we took trying to get Chowdhury from Leicester was just disgraceful. It was horrible uh, for a nobody like that, as far as I'm concerned. No, I'm, I'm, I, I would be slightly disappointed, I suppose, if we didn't get anybody. Uh, but no, I'm not nervous. I think, I think they'll get the people they want, and and that's what's important. Um, last weekend showed that we're maybe a bit thin up front, but uh, it showed a lot of other good positive things as well. So. No, I'm not uh, desperately nervous uh, at the moment. I'm, I'm still hopeful, Steve. That's how I would describe it. Still hopeful. Okay, don't forget you can ask George halfway through the show. Get your questions in, and uh, we'll uh, after the ad break we'll uh, get into uh, quizzing George on whatever you want to ask him about. Uh, Mitch, um, lots of rumours, counter rumours, stories, make believe. Um, stuff getting thrown into the mix as well. But we have had a concrete bid, uh, of course, knocked back uh, for, uh, for Pedro. Um, you know, what's your feelings on the transfer window so far? With two weeks to go, um, is it time to get nervous like a few of the fan base seem to be getting on social media? No, and it's absolutely irritating the bloody living daylights out of me, actually, if I'm really <laughs> honest. Um, we're just, we've been saying this now on this show and on other shows, that we've had the flurry of transfers at the start, then nothing would happen. It was all going to happen at the business end of the window when the money go-around starts to happen. And that's the way it's always been. We're going for the right players, not just any old player. Um, people are reading a lot in the words of journalists who know nothing. There is so little coming out of the club at the minute. It is so different at the minute how things are being handled, how it has been in the past. And some people are getting frustrated with that in the media, I understand, that they're not getting the information that they used to be getting. And so they're running with things that are, you know, half-baked at the best. Um, it's clear now we are everybody's bogeyman in terms of the agent. All my players, this such and such a club's interested in my player. But Newcastle may be interested as well. You know, and, and it's 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 the, the it's the game of poker, and we haven't even got to the river card yet, and that's where we're at. Let's just see when when the river's played, and we we'll get down to the last moments of the window. I think you'll find we've stacked a nice little hand up, and things will come together. That's honestly the way I feel, and that's not necessarily from anything um, that I've heard, but more a feeling based on. 
everybody seems to be not panicking at all. And the only people who are panicking seem to be a lot of our fans. And we're in danger of becoming the self-fulfilling pro prophecy. We're in danger of becoming everything that the world wants me to be and wants to say we are. We've just got to keep a hand for another two weeks, let it unfold and trust the process. That's my personal feeling. Yeah, and I think that's one that I'd endorse as well. Steve, you've been accentuating the positives on your Twitter timeline this week and people are taking a great deal of uh, solitude from it. I think people are, you know, just pleased to read somebody being positive on <laughs> on this on there. So, um, yeah, I, I can ask you how you're feeling, mate, but you're still, I think, very much in the same camp as me and Mitch that we feel that things will get done and Stu as well, because Stu does more than one show the, these days as well. And he's been of the same kind of feeling. He feels that the... Uh, you know, that there's still going to be business done. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. I see no reason why we shouldn't be, like you say, 15 days to go before the window closes. What I would say is thank God for Man United because Man United fans are showing themselves up an awful lot more than Newcastle fans are on social media at the moment, aren't they? It's absolutely hilarious. But, uh, you know... Mitch is exactly right when he talks about the way that the press have been going. I, I, I watched Sky Sports this morning. I watched it last night. Um, listening to various guests that they have on, they come on, they can manage to turn a programme out for three hours regurgitating stuff that is already on social media and the entire programme is based on what they've picked up from something else, somebody else has said on social media. Absolutely fascinating. I heard a I heard one of the one of the reporters yesterday. She she managed to speak for about ten minutes. Um, she she accentuated the positive on what was going on at Man United and told absolutely nothing, you know. And and that summed up what the way that the press are. And I think um, if it wasn't for Man United, I think in in the the actual shambles they're in, I think they would be all over us like a rash and making us out for fools as well. But. Thankfully, we've we've got some rational people in our fan base who have sussed this out already and are just ignoring everything, waiting, biding my time. You know, we we know that there are various targets that are out there that they'll be looking at, but everybody else is looking at the same bunch of players at the minute. And Mitch is right; he's talking about cards. It's more like roulette and the way that those wheels are spinning and see where see what's coming out of it at the far end. But uh, You've got to remain positive, like you say, because if you weren't positive with 15 days to go, um, you would be like a Man United fan. <laughs> Stu, still confident we're going to get two uh, two potential record-breaking transfers through the door in the next two weeks? Yeah, I am. Uh, I just want to come on to the last two things there. Uh, big up to Kieran Clark tonight, who's playing for Sheffield United against some other team. I don't know who they're playing, but <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if he scored and uh, he'd become the doll nothing Newcastle fan base again? Um, and the other one, when I, when I seen that we were linked to Pedro, and I thought, surely not, he retired years ago. But it's not. It's <laughs> hey, John, John, John just telling him could do a job up front. I mean, ah, apparently so. Apparently so. There could be a nice little double act. Um, but I, I think what they've been doing, it's the with the windows, the, the learning on the job, and that's this is why they've had to get the Dan Ashworth in and Darren Eels uh, later. Well, next week is it Darren Eels Monday? Um, but with the it reminds me of when you have to go shopping with the, the missus and you know what you want, but she still drags into about 17 different shops. And then you go back and get what you wanted in the first place. But at least you know what the prices are. And you went to see if there was something else that you like better, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and and I, only, I still believe that the, well, this Joe Pedro thing is, it substantiates what we've been saying for months, that they're, they're looking as Wilson as the main striker and have a younger backup to learn and come through. 
Um, I still think they're going to get at least one midfielder, uh, possibly two, and for, for certain they're going to get a winger, and that will only be intensified as if our friend ASM gets shipped out. Because what I've heard this week is that he's been given permission to speak to people. Tottenham have offered just short of £38 million for him. Uh, and he's reluctant to go. He said he'd rather stay there than go there and be on their bench. So at least he understands his limitations. I don't know how he's going to win a, a balloon door being on the a Ballon d'Or, so, sorry, being on the bench. But if that's the limb where he thinks he's going to be, he thinks, oh, I'll just play for Newcastle. At least he now knows that the clubs will sell him. So this could, if you pardon any puns, spur him on to greater things because he might have been on easy street for a while. Thinking, like, I'm untouchable, the fans love me, I can do what I want. But sometimes it, this could be the kick up the ass that he needs. Uh, either that, they will sell him. Um, but I don't think they will until they've got a ready-made replacement in the words of Alan Pardew over the line. So that's my take on it. Yes, I still think we'll break the transfer record at least once, depends which order they come in. Okay, interesting. Uh, Alwaleed, your views, are you getting frustrated or are you uh, are you sitting calm, cool and collected uh, as calm and cool as you can be in Saudi? Uh, of course, uh, according to any, uh, if you speak about uh, relegation, I am uh, comfortable. Uh, that inshallah will not be. But uh, if I am... Uh, I'm frustrated because I, I, I because I see it a chance. We we have big chance to be uh, in uh, number five in the position in standing table. Since Arsenal, uh, I'm not convinced by Arsenal and Manchester United situation. I think Tottenham, Chelsea, City, and even Liverpool, they are not in their best. So it's opportunity to uh, to uh, to be there with the top five. Uh, but this is need. Uh, need more uh, injection for players. I'm more like uh, what Dr. Neil says about poker. It's, it's really poker game. I have played poker before. I know what it means. Uh, so this is what's actually going on. It's poker. The turnover of the names every day and everybody acting that uh, he's not frustrated. Uh, speaking about the managers, they are not. But I think they deeply. They of course nobody want to turn. Uh, yani everybody want a signing. Give him more uh, solution. Give him more uh, chance to have better position in the standing table. So, uh, but maybe uh, this poker game is, is going is going to be enjoyable uh, since that I think it's uh, less than two weeks I think uh, left. So we are uh, we are uh, going to see uh, a hell of a poker game. I'll start with you, Alwaleed, on this one. Tell Ross says, do the panel believe the lad from Watford, Pedro, is an improvement on Dwight Gale? Big money on the wrong player, a gamble our owners have done wonders. I'm so happy with them and patience is the key. So do you think, you know, that you know, Pedro is coming in for some unnecessary criticism or do you think he is a, a an improvement on what we already have? Uh, actually, Steve, I'm, I'm surprised this name mentioned because... And from Madison uh, to Joao Pedro, a huge difference. Uh, yeah, Joao Pedro, I, I, I watched some games of him, yeah, but he, he isn't that what we really, uh, I think, need. And I don't think we are desperate to have him signing. Uh, so, and it's a very weird name. I thought, everybody thought, if we get a Brazilian, it's going to be Bakit. So, uh, Bakit is much better yeah, than uh, Joao Pedro. Okay, Stu, what's your feelings on Pedro? Is it an improvement or is he in the Dwight Gale school of uh, players? 
I haven't seen enough of them to say whether he's an improvement or not. But what I will say is, if they've scouted him and the panel that makes the decisions are happy enough to put a bid in for him, then they've obviously seen a lot more in them than what uh, our Twitter followers who want to criticise him will, uh, have seen. And you've got to trust the process, for want of a better phrase, or a very often used phrase. Uh, if that's who they believe is, is the right person for that key role that they see in the job, because remember, whoever comes will be known that they're going to be an understudy. You know, so it's you're not going to get like a top nine forward to say, okay, but Wilson starts first anyway, because goal scoring is all about goals. But he can learn his trade, this young lad, and uh, if he has the potential, they've obviously done background checks on his, his personality and things like that. And the fact that they put a bid in tells us that they believe that he's good, uh, he's good enough for, to improve the squad. And if they think it, then it's good enough for me as well. Okay, Steve, your take on uh, Pedro is he is he better than what we already uh, have? Do you think, or is it um, you know on par? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's, I mean, Dwight, this, you yeah. know, Dwight Gale, you know, he did score goals for Newcastle, and um, in the Championship, it has to be said, he didn't score them, you know, in, in the Premier League, didn't get much of a chance in the Premier League. Yeah. But what's what, what's your take? Better or worse than what we've had or what we've got? It's an interesting one because I mean, you, you look at Pedro's record; he's he's played. He played 40 games in the championship for, for well, 40 appearances in the championship. I don't know how many of them were subs appearances. We scored 10 goals for Watford. He managed to, he's, he's played 28 appearances in the Premier League uh, for Watford. He scored three goals. And people are going, oh, he's not good enough. You know, he'd be better off with Brozier. Brozier's a much better, a better take. And you look at Brozier's record, and he made 35 appearances and scored six goals um, in top class football. And then you'll get people that say, oh, you know what? Ramos is a much better buy, much better potential. A, he's now played in the Premier League. Yes, he's played for Benfica at the top level. He made 29 appearances and scored seven goals. So there's not much between any of them in terms of goal scoring. In fact, if you look at Pedro's record, his record is, is probably slightly better than the others. Um, granted, at a, at a slightly lower league than the others have been playing. But uh, I think what you can say about Pedro is that, if anything, well, Joe Pedro is probably a player for the future. I think Newcastle are buying, yes, it's a lot of money, but I think they're looking at someone who A, wouldn't be a first-team regular. If he's going to come into the team, it's going to be when there's uh, substitutions to be made. Um, he's going to be behind Wilson. He's certainly he's certainly also going to be behind Wood. Um, and I think he's the one that they're looking at in 18 months, for 18 months' time, but getting them on the books and, and, and having them here. I think that's that's more than what it is, and I think he's not the top target. I think there are other top targets in in and around uh, the, the the activity that's been going on, um, that you would say would be targets that would be coming in and being guaranteed a first team place. I think you all know which one I'm referring to. It's another Brazilian. It's a Brazilian uh, Paqueta who has been talked about now for upwards of what six months. So, um, but you know what? It's not for me. Or probably anyone else to say he's a good buy, he's a bad buy. It's it's Eddie Howe. He gets paid to make the decisions. He gets paid to to pick the players. Dan Ashworth gets paid to go out and and do the deals. And the directors are the people who are putting the money up. So between that group of three, um, that's what we're at. Um, so you know, what's that phrase? Calm your chickens. Don't worry, lads. It's not your money. Don't panic. <laughs> Don't you panic, know, as I said. <laughs> And the hitchhiker's guide of the galaxy don't panic. Uh, Mitch, what's your views on, on Pedro? Um, I would suggest if we were signing him from um, somewhere like Anderlecht, 
people would be more excited. He's, there's not many players he can pick up that have potential in development that already have premiership games under their belt. Did he not score against us? Yes. He did. Yes. Brilliant. By the way. Um, and so, you know, it's somebody who comes um, with experience but with growth potential. Changes the... Um, age profile of the squad, which is also something else they've said they wanted to look at, um, is not necessarily a replacement for anybody, but could be chucked in at any moment because they know he's done it at the top flight. Um, I'd also suggest there's no reason why we can't sign two Brazilians in this window. And uh, it may be we're just... Uh, we are looking at, at South American development in a big way, I understand and so um, it would make sense to be bringing players in that would fit with that man too. Um, I can't pretend that I've seen many of his games. But what I do know is I've seen him score against the Castle United and score a very good goal against the Castle United. And be a menace for most of the game, actually, if I remember right. Um, so I know he can do it. So I'm all for that kind of thing. Because you never know what he could then become with the right coaching and with better players around him. Uh, you don't get many. We've only ever had one nugget off the Copa Cabana Beach and the name of Fumaca. It was the only Brazilian who couldn't trap a bag of cement. But other than that, most of the time you're getting somebody with real potential when you get somebody from that part of the world. And I don't think it's an outrageous amount. It, it's quite clear for forward players there's a premium, for young forward players there's a premium at the minute. But the club are obviously happy with the amount that they're getting too. And that would suggest to me everybody needs to calm themselves down about what they're doing with other bids as well. Um, I think it's quite right that we're not seen to have our pants taken down in any way, shape or form. Uh, when, when I think there's a, a, a real, real uh, need to make a statement in this window that we're not going to be taken for fools. And I think that makes sure that that happens. And that's not a bad thing, eh? George, your your views on Pedro? My initial reaction was the one that Neil had. I remembered the goal he scored against for Watford uh, and uh, immediately went to see if I could find it. And when I did, I thought, yeah, I'm not surprised we like him because uh, he was a nuisance the whole match. It's not just he scored the goal. If you look at, back at that, that piece of video, he picks the ball up on the halfway line. And two seconds later, he's in our six-yard box with a towering header rattling the back of the net, with our defenders nowhere to be seen. No, I, I think there's a there's a young man with a lot of talent there, and I think that's what our management have seen. Uh, and uh, he's worth a gamble, I would say, at, at his age and and, and uh, with the sort of money that they're talking about. So I'd be inclined to give him a go. And uh, who knows how his team might just have found a diamond or turn him into a diamond uh, for Newcastle United. Yeah, well, we'll watch this space uh, with interest. My first game coming up next.
My first match, we you to send in your uh, stories about your first game at Newcastle United. And this one doesn't go too far back, actually, 2018 to 2019. And it's from Lily, uh, who has been on the show before. She says, I don't know. Um, I don't comment much due to work, but I wanted to share my first Newcastle United game. It was the first game of the 18-19 season at home to Tottenham. The day started, she says, with me proudly wearing my shirt on the Metro from Seaburn. So you can imagine the looks. Going for a few drinks and um, grace just uh, just as the protest was happening at, at Sports Direct. I headed to the Strawberry for a quick drink. Going into the stadium and the Gallagher was just amazing. I had a drink by, before walking to the steps and wow, I totally got what uh, Bobby meant. The whole feeling that washed over me as we walked to our seats, I had goosebumps everywhere. I was feeling a little tipsy, but I think it was a natural high from the whole situation. Hearing local hero playing started to make me emotional. And when the whistle went for the kickoff, I'm not ashamed to say I shed a tear or two. Okay, we didn't win, but God, I loved every minute. And uh, the goal scorer that day, anybody remember? Yes, Josselu. Correct. Josselu yeah. got the goal for Newcastle. Uh, and there were a couple of goals for Spurs in the other end with Deli Ali getting the winner. On the day Newcastle losing 2-1 on the opening day of the season. Lulu, uh, Lily, sorry, thank you for sending me that uh, story. Anyone's got one, uh, please send it in at Steve Rafe or send it to one of the lads on Twitter and we will get it read out on the show. Uh, hopefully we'll have another first game next week. I'm going to come to you again because I know Stu's got to get off in about five or six minutes. So um, just with regards to the stadium, we've discussed this uh, once or twice on the show before. But uh, again, just um, stuff doing the rounds about Newcastle potentially changing things at St. James's Park, expanding the ground to, to 80,000 seaters. And of course, there are plans. We've talked about them on, on this channel. I've, I've, I've seen plans and how they could expand it. But um, there's, uh, again, something on the Chronicle Online. In fact, I'll stick, the, um, I'll stick the link in the chat for people to have a look at this if you haven't already seen it. And uh, it's showing some of those plans from, from back in the day under, under Sir John Hall and things that they were looking at doing. Um, is it a necessity now? Do you think our lead to get um, to get you know get the stadium you know get the stadium increased, or is that something which um, we can wait a little bit more for? Uh, I looked at the design uh, of the uh, of the article. It's a look weird design. I mean, it's uh, expanded from one corner. It's look a bit weird. But uh, if this is uh, doable, uh, why not? I mean, eighteen thousand. Uh, Eighty thousand will solve uh, a lot of uh, a lot of issues regarding uh, the tickets. Will help a lot of the fans to attend the games. So and also uh, uh, the re revenue uh, it will increase. So uh, if, if it's doable, why not? Stu, I'm not sure whether you've had a chance to see that today. You'll have been running around packing bags, etc. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean we've we've heard this we've heard this before. We've heard these stories before. What's your views on expansion now, or or leave it a bit? I don't think there's a huge demand. It's probably not a popular opinion, but 
Uh, I think they, if they've got up to about 60,000, that would be adequate for the foreseeable. So we're constantly in the Champions League. Uh, and I think that's what makes Port Newcastle special. It's sold out and it's full. And it's not like Arsenal, who have 60,000 every game and there's blatantly three or 4,000, 5,000 seats empty. Um, and I, I think the way they've done the ticket allocation and taking into consideration away fans and stuff like that, I, I, I believe that they will look at... Well, I know that they spoke with, I think the company was called KSS, that's the, the main uh, stadium builders. I spoke to them maybe six months ago. Uh, so they are looking at the plans and it's, it's better to be proactive rather than reactive. Um, but I think if they went and did it now to reduce the capaci uh, capacity, it's a dangerous game because you have to reduce the capacity if you're going to extend it. You know, it's, there's no other way around that. And I think we're best off keeping it as it is and then seeing how we go at the end of the season and have all the plans in place and say, right, we'll go for option A, B, C or D. So I don't think there's a need for an 80,000-seat uh, super stadium. I don't think there's a, a need to try and build over Lees' Terrace or anything like that. Uh, I think the Gallagher extension might not look the most attractive stadium from the outside, but my God, inside it'll be even louder than what it currently is. And that's what that's what we go for. And that's what inspires the players on the pitch. They don't get excited by looking at the concrete at the outside. It's listening to the noise in the, on the pitch. So... Let them do their bit and we'll, we'll do ours as often as we possibly can. Uh, but uh, I, I still think maybe 60,000 maximum is all, is all that we need at the moment. OK, good stuff, Stu. I know you've got to get off and get yeah. your plane uh, to go and join Mitch. Uh, so uh, good to see you and uh, hopefully catch up with you um, on Sunday morning uh, before yes, the match. Really. Make sure you get enjoy some, the rest of the show, lads. Make sure you get some blood in your alcohol stream. <laughs> I'll try to. <laughs> hey, I've been good the last week. I'll come see you that next week, though. Right, okay, see you later. Bye bye. Whatever happens, it's his fault. Exactly. <laughs> one out, one in. Steve Wilkinson, welcome to the show, mate. I hope you're doing Hi. well. Sorry, sorry, I'm late, sir. No, don't worry, mate. My <laughs> mum sent a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just talking about the ground. I mean, sixty to yeah. sixty-five thousand capacity. Steve, does that sound sensible and about right? I, th I think that's as, as many as we need to go to in the early days. Uh, you know, eighty thousand is more than Man United, and and uh, they, they they haven't got any bigger. You know, and that's been seventy-five for quite a while. And I think once you start making it too big, you, you get to the point where you you're sitting so far away. I, I've looked at the briefly at the at the picture, the the, the sort of drawing in the thing, and I think. I don't know whether that's going to add level 12 onto what we've currently got level 7, but it looks a hell of a long way, the people in the, that lump on the corner. Um, you know, I, I hope they'll put the way fans in there and they might as well stay at their own ground and watch it. Because, it, But I, I think 60,000, you know, if you're looking at the grounds, Tottenham new ground was, I think it was at 62, Tottenham was built in the, um, West Ham's about 60,000, Arsenal about the same. So I think most of the other teams are, are settling on that. Man City even, uh, you know, new ground basically. It's still only is it fifty four in there? I think so. They haven't been desperate to make it bigger, although I think they still. Oh, they cannot fill it. They cannot fill it exactly. So uh, I think I don't think we would fall in their category because they they weren't established club getting massive crowds uh, going back over in their history. But um, I think you know the demand will be there. But I think uh, you've you've got to you've got to uh, draw a line, and I, th I think you know. Sentimental go out the window, and I think one day we will get a new ground. Um, you know, I'm sure 
you know, maybe ten years time, uh, you know, revisit the plans that that John Hall and them had in the uh, in the uh, early nineties and and and. and have, have another try and put it on the on Mises Park at the top. You know, generations have moved on, and maybe the the decisions that were make, made then about you know the looking after the land and things maybe aren't so important if you if you put the plan right and whatever other developments we might see from the the PIF developments and investments uh, in the next ten years as far as helping Newcastle, which was always one of the things that they said they were they weren't just going to just develop Newcastle United; they were going to develop the region and if if there's seen to be you know a, a good developments going on maybe there's more more likelihood that they'd be willing to 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 open up uh, Lisa's park and let the, uh, the the new ground be built there but I think I would rather wait and, and expand where they can um, as Stu said you've got to, you've got to reduce the capacity to to even put the extra 60,000 on the Gallagher end you know we'll have, we'll probably have a season where we when maybe it's down to Forty thousand capacity again, and that'll that'll cause even more problems. Steve, your take on the uh, stadium regeneration? Yeah, uh, I heard I heard someone who was talking to one of the directors just a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying that they just love where we are. They see no reason to move. Uh, they like the whole fact that we're in the city centre. Bought into that. Um, this particular director had spent time in the Gallagher end, and he spent time in the Leases end. Believe it or not, before the club was bought and uh, experienced what it was like on his own. Um, incognito, nobody knew who he was, um, which I found fascinating. But uh, I think if, if Sir John Hall's plan had anything wrong with it, it was the fact that they wanted to keep the ground as well. They wanted to build a new ground, and they also wanted to keep St James's Park. And I think that I, I agree with Steve, perhaps times have changed. Although I did see a podcast a couple of weeks ago where somebody... Uh, was extolling the virtues of Leeser's Park and saying how fantastic it was and uh, how it should be it remain as it is, um, which I didn't necessarily agree with, having walked through Leeser's Park only a couple of months ago uh, and thought, dear me, what, what on earth's happened to this place? I think if you were to offer the people of that particular area a park nearer the city centre, I think if you were offered the city a park nearer the city centre, somewhere outside, somewhere that was well-maintained, well-looked-after, Secure, properly policed, and 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 brought into into the whole sort of city ambience, and then the ground was on Leeses where the current Leeses Park is. I think that would be a better option, and I think that's probably an option that, if was sold correctly to the city council and to the people who lived yeah. up there, he'd probably have a better chance of doing than than Sir John Hall had, because let's face it, he did go in half cocked. He did he did jump in with his size nines. Uh, he did just want to take it, um, like like a lot of people at the time. Yeah. I just want to take that particular area, um, and there was nothing going to be given back. Um, and I think if you were giving back the current St James's Park location as a park, and you were just moving eight hundred yards up the road, um, I think you'd be uh, on a far better um, structure than than just going in, like I say, with this with Sir John's uh, size nines. Um, but you know what? Let's see, 60,000, stick something on the Gallagher end, 60,000, I think the lads could be right, could be could be our limit at the moment. Uh, you mentioned Old Trafford there, I think there are plans to boost the attendance at Old Trafford up to 90,000. Um, 
but uh, I can't honestly see the Glazers spending any money at Old Trafford, to be perfectly honest. You know, they're going to have to start building food kiosks and all sorts before they start going into something 90,000. Can you imagine 90,000 rioting as opposed to that 75,000 that are going to be rioting on Sunday? <laughs> it's... 60, 60, 65,000, too little, too much, or, you know, is it a priority at the moment? I don't think it's a priority at the moment. Uh, totally agree with what Steve says about Leeds' parking. I was shocked when I was back recently at how ill Kemp it looked. I think if you dig through the undergrowth enough, you'll find a 100-year-old Japanese soldier. That thing's the war still on. You know, it's like, um, anyway, it's another, th- another thing in town. Um I don't think we need it. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a problem that needs fixed yet. And I think you've also got to look in mind from an FFP perspective now that money spent on the stadium is now going to be included in that. And so the time to intervene with any kind of expansion is going to be have to be very delicately done and delicately balanced. We cannot race into it because that's going to. We're going to clip our heels before we even start running, you know. So I think it has to be thought through and it has to be a real problem that needs a solution, not a, not a, an imaginary problem or a problem to worry about for the now. For me, I think there's bigger things we've got to worry about. When we're win, winning things regularly and you, and you kind of get a ticket for love and the money, that's the time we need to start thinking about, okay, how do we secure the future support of the club? Because we do have, because of the whole situation with people having season tickets for a long time, um, on average an older fan base than many clubs. And that's something that needs to be addressed to allow younger people to get more access more often. And I think that's why they've been canny about how they did the season ticket renewals and trying to keep tickets on, on sale for general sale as much as possible. Um, it's a fine balance, but I think with the advent of the change in FFP, it's going to take either a shift to some sort of different monitoring or a shift to a Super League where money doesn't matter to see money pumped into expanding the ground quickly. It's going to take something out of the ordinary to see it happen in a short order of time. And when time does come, I'm still firmly the belief a brand new ground is the way to go. And that's after years and years, as you all know, me and Steve in particular, years and years and years of speaking to various people with interest in the club and looking at different people with different solutions. Um, the vast majority of them came to the conclusion the value was building a new facility. Okay. George, your views on the ground? Well, um, whenever I um, think about the ground and, and I want uh, um, reasons to stay where we are, I'd, I'd tend not to look at football for support as I look at the rugby league supporters and, and the, the All Blacks that when they played here a couple of years ago and listen to what they said about playing at St James's Park. I mean, the All Blacks coach said that when, as soon as they crossed the Tyne Bridge and they saw the cathedral on the hill and he used those words, we knew we were in for an experience. When they went on the pitch, it just gave them tingles just being on the pitch. Now, I think there's a lot of people like that. And look at the rugby league magic weekend. Rugby league's not our game. They've been to Manchester, they've been to Liverpool, where, where they're, they're right next to rugby league. Where do they want to play? They want to play at St James's Park. And one of the main reasons is it's slab bang in the middle of the city centre, right next to hotels, 
right next to entertainment and is a great area for a, a fans base and all the rest of it. So that's one of the, the, the criteria that, that, that I always look at when I think about a ground. It's how effective the ground and its position is and what an Im- impact it has on everybody. Now to go to the Sir John Hall thing. Glad Steve said it before, before I had. It didn't have a chance because of John Hall. I hate it. Well, I don't mind criticising him because I've got other things to criticise him about. But um, he uh, he went in with Steve's right. He went in with his size names. The, the city council was still in the Hofgoth were over the over getting blamed for losing the World Cup. Um, nobody at the university was interested because they wanted to protect Lisa's terrace. The the um, trust that runs the Lisa's Park weren't interested because it was just going to be more people, more rubbish. We don't want you here. How oh how times have changed. We've got a different organisation and different attitude in the Civic Centre at the moment. Desperate for money. We have a university desperate for money. We have a Lisa's Park, as Neil's already pointed out himself, which is in desperate need of some um, upgrade and, and, and replanting and reorganisation and, and much more secure uh, place. They're desperate because charity funding's drying up. They can't get their hands on any money. So what a time to think about it, at least, so that when we're ready to do it, we can say to all those various people that's involved, this is how Newcastle United can help you. All we want to do is modernise the stadium. And I think it would work if you went that way. Certainly, I know um, from my links with the university, they are absolutely pink lint at the moment. They won't admit that publicly, but I can tell you they are. I can see some of the things that they're doing, uh, which are, um, uh, you know, scraping the barrel, to put it mainly. Um, the other thing is that, that they're always thinking about when I when I uh, um, talk about this subject is that, that the very last time I spoke to Freddie Shepherd was a couple of years ago, just before he died. Um, and they had a fellowship dinner. Well, it must be more than a couple of years ago because it was pre-COVID. Um, uh, the, the university had an honorary fellowship dinner. And when they have an honorary fe- fellowship dinner, they get an honorary fellow to host the table. And I got the great honour of hosting the table. It had um, Freddie Shebert, his brother Bruce, and a whole and one or two of their mates because the university were trying to schmooze them to get some cash off them. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. And it was a very interesting conversation. And somebody who had nothing to do with football, wasn't even interested in football, um, a, a lovely girl who works at the university, Mandira, said to Freddie Shepard, you've done everything, Mr. Shepard. It's the one thing left that you'd like to do. And he said, yes, I'm going to buy Newcastle United back and I'm going to change the ground. That's what he said. Mm. That's what he said. Unfortunately, somebody elsewhere must have listed and poor Shetty, poor Freddie didn't get the chance to do anything about that. But that was his words. He was going to buy, buy, the, buy the club back and change the ground. That's what he said. So it's, it, it, I think the lads have got it right. Let's get settled in and get the position where we look like we're going to win some trophies and get as much... Um, uh, kudos and, uh, to the city that we can get and then start talking to these people who are all short of money because they're going to be sh- even shorter of money in a few years' time. Okay, uh, it's time for Ask George. 
A few of these, so we'll try and get through as many as we can. Tom says, right. ask George, have you ever been to Tramia Rovers and what was it like since Newcastle have drawn them away in the Cup? Yes, not to see Newcastle, though. Um, I used to do a lot of work as a naval architect over in uh, Merseyside uh, and uh, um, and the other side of uh, uh, Camelades. And uh, if you were there at a weekend, uh, like all the Chicken Road Academies, I call them, used to do, they used to look for a football match. And once or twice, I, I ended up at uh, Tramia Rovers. And I enjoyed it. It was a very positive experience. Um very friendly atmosphere, friend, friendly ground. Uh, and I think since they've uh, uh, modernised the ground, it looks even better now. So, yes, I've been and, and yes, I enjoyed it. And uh, uh, I wish them well, but but not on the cup day. <laughs> okay, David Cook's asking there how far the, uh, the, the, the those were the days series is going to go. Well, it's going to come up to modern day. Um, so, David, uh, there you go. Answer to your question from me, not George. Sefton, yes, I, well, is... well, can I add... Well, uh, well, Tell, tell them we're moving on because I, I'm sick of depressing Steve with the relegation stories oh, at the moment. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is a rather depressing time at the minute. Uh, Sefton Marks has asked George what health health food and drink diets were in place back in the 60s and 70s compared to health food and drinks for current players today. Well, that's Cup of tea and a woodbine. <laughs> well, for, for some people it was, um, but for others it was... a. Uh, um, a drink of water if you're lucky out of the out of the sponge bag. Uh, they used to they used to have an old bladder with the with the water in for the trainer to rub on your leg if you got a kick. Um, and then um, if you were lucky, a segment of an orange. Uh, of, of if the uh, if the assistant trainer had bothered to peel and uh, carve the orange up while we were playing. So that was it. Oranges and water. That was that was about it. And uh, same water that they used to rub on your leg if you got a kick. Ask George his favourite music artist of all time, says Blue Rhythm Boy. Oh, that's a good one. I'm afraid it's uh um oh it's it's got a very it's very predictable, I'm afraid. Um if you're looking at um modern music over the decades, it's got to be Elvis. You know, there's not many can could touch Elvis. And if, if the other side of the music is that I'm a great musical theatre fan. Uh, and Gordon McRae, the American musical theatre singer, uh, used to be one of my favourites. Um, and and now that's it. Elvis and Gordon McRae. Good stuff. Barry says, ask George, was Bob Stoko as good a defender as I have read? I know he's more linked with Sunderland, but was he any good for us? Well, he's, he's linked with Sunderland because he, he helped Sunderland to win the cup as their manager. Um, but he was a good defender, yes. I mean, he, he played... Um, uh, several hundred games for us and he, he played right across the, the middle three or what I would call the middle three right half which you, most people call right defensive midfield centre half centre back and left sided midfield and he could do that competently right across the three um, his best games for me were always at centre back um, but he was another old player who was treated shamefully by Newcastle United uh, and by none other than the famous Stan Seymour um, he uh, uh, and Charlie Mitten, um, he, he, he Mitten didn't get on, so first opportunity Mitten got, he uh, he sold him to, to Bury in, in a part exchange for another good centre half called John McGrath. Uh, but Bob Stoker was a, was a really good defender and a one that could play any, anywhere in defence. Okay, great stuff. Thanks to everybody for getting your questions in. That's Ask George for this week.
Where do we go next? We've had a lot of questions come in. Uh, Michael, I will mention this, the 6-6 in the Zenith Data Systems Cup game. I was there, mate. Yes, that was a hell of a nice Mersey clipper. I think I had about eight pints of lager and then couldn't believe what on earth I was seeing. And, of course, typical Newcastle lost the game on penalties after a 6 Wasn't that the first live game on Sky? First first televised live game yeah, on Sky. Satanta, was it not Satanta when it was on? I can't may, remember which may. One of may well have been, may well have been, but it was definitely one of the first terrestrial satellite dish games live, and of course Newcastle had to be on it, and uh, yeah, unbelievable. Let's ha- let's just have a quick one on this. Now this can be controversial, lad. So take your time answering the question. We don't want to start getting bombarded, but this is off Newcastle, and sometimes it's nice to go into this this kind of area. Graham Souness, of course. We all know former manager of this parish, not a very well-respected one, came out with a man, the famous phrase, a man's game. Now, he's been lambasted and hammered and, and, and hit with all kinds of insults himself now from different people. Are we OK to mention football being a man's game, George, do you think? I mean, for me, I'll, I'll kick it off because I've asked you the question. I think um, if you're talking about male football, as Alan says there, it's a man's game. If you're talking about the the, the lionesses playing a game, it's it's the female game. It's 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 a hard line to draw. We're all, I guess, having to be re-educated. Why I don't know, but we're all having to be re-educated and having to tread very carefully on what we say and how we say it. But do we just eradicate it? Do we stop calling it a man's game, George? I, I think uh, the world's moved on, Steve. And, and as an eighty-year-old, I, I, I've got no problem with the world moving on, especially as uh, some of the, some of the women's games we see now are um, better than are the as, men's. Well, <laughs> at least they're winning. Yes. Um, the the other side of it is is that it irritates me slightly. The person has made the comment that's Graham Souness. A man's game for him was when he was kicking shin pads off people like Lee Clark when he played for Middlesbrough. That's the man's game he likes. Well, that's not the man's game I like because he, he, he's got a reputation as a hard man. He was dirty player. And why he was mentioning the, the man's game the other day was exactly that reason. Because um, a West Ham attacker blocked off a Nottingham Forest defender and that caused the goal to be disallowed. And they were up in arms. Oh, you only blocked them off. Well, only blocking them off is a bloody foul unless you played soon as his man's game. And that, that, you know, that, yeah, that, that, that irritated me intensely when I seen him uh, going into that. So I'm not surprised he's been kicked hard because there will be people in the game like me who have long memories about how Graham Soon has been played. I actually seen the shin pad. I think it was Lee. It was Lee Clark. He split Lee Clark's shin pad from top. Uh, it looked like he'd been, like been shot by a bullet. Huh? Yeah, it was. It was shocking. It wasn't just bad, and then just shrugged his shoulders. And if that's if that's the man's game that Graham Souza Souness is talking about, then I do want it. I'm happy for it just to be football. Great point by one of our moderators, Rachel, who is a woman. Calling it a man's game to me does not relate these days to it being played by men. It means to me that football belongs to men. And it most certainly doesn't. Very well put, yeah. Rachel. I yeah, yeah, expected, Rachel. I wouldn't yeah, have expected yeah. anything different from you. Uh, very good. Yeah, Mitch, I mean, it's terminology, I guess. And it's the modern day we live in. Whether, you know, some people in the chat will agree with it, other people won't agree with it. But the knee-jerk reaction from a comment that can be made on TV, the first thing 
people do, and I've done it, um, is go straight onto Twitter and comment on it. And then it becomes a thing. Had no one gone out and commented on that, maybe it would have been ignored, maybe it wouldn't. But the fact that people jump straight onto Twitter and people with big profiles, uh, maybe in the women's game, uh, maybe in the men's game, maybe in the game itself in general, whatever you want to call it, it, it becomes a thing. And, and now it's, you know, it, it, you, have to, you have to be honest, Graeme Sooners is, you know, media career could, could you know, could suffer from it. He and may, should may... be. Mm-hmm. And should do. We all live, um, and as we get older, you see generational changes and generational turns, the phrase that have to change. And as we are all football supporters, um, and we get passionate about football, yeah, on occasion, some things will slip out. But as a pundit sitting in a football studio with a live audience, global, you can't be seen to be making yourself look like a dinosaur because that's what he's doing. We've all been through it. Hey, I grew up with bloody Kenny Everett and Benny Hill and, you know, uh, Dick Emery and we all Dave did. Allen. And, yeah, we all did. And I still find all of it intensely funny, but I know it's of an age. It's not comedy you can do now, and it's not comedy that relates to people now. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad doesn't mind us using this about my grandfather, who would ask for some nigger brown thread, who would ask for doggy's blood on his ice cream. You can't. That's not now. It you was can't then. Say those things. It's, it's, you it's can't. And, and, and I remember him causing consternation at an ice cream van by using that exact phrase once, you know, and yeah. everybody's dying in the queue. You know, you can't do it. It's, it has no place in modern society. And as football evolves and changes, we've got to try and keep up with the terms of phrase of change the way cricket has. It's batters, not batsmen anymore. And whether you agree with it, whether you feel it's right or whether you feel it's wrong, Within modern society, where we're trying to be enlightened and inclusive and everything else, we all walk fine lines sometimes where we make comments. Um, and sometimes things will come out that are not intended in the way. The fact that Sunes has been utterly unrepentant about it, I think, shows him for what he is and has no place sitting in a studio with a global audience going forward in football. Whether you agree with it or not, that's immaterial. We've got to be respectful of the age we are in and in the society that we're trying to be part of and trying to enrich. And I'm quite happy to take all perspectives and take all opinions. And people are entitled to their opinion. But when you're sitting with a global audience, and particularly with younger people watching, you've got to be so careful with what you say. We are blessed with a platform that has a lot of people watching. Absolutely, Steve. Love lying here. DM me. Try and get that on television today. No, you wouldn't. Nowhere near. And and that's the sign that society changes. And so in sport, as we become more aware that it's everybody's game, and quite rightly so, and that's what should be done. And Sooness has really made a rip there, and, and I don't think he's got a place... Quick one, uh, quick one, quick one in Rugby, Mitch. Just because you're on a bit of a roll with this, just, I, just, out, just out of interest, right? You mentioned in TV programs, it's a little bit different in in one respect. And I heard somebody this week. Um, I watch GM TV on a morning, and they've had Judge Rinder on. I've got to be honest, I quite like the guy. I think he's a pretty good presenter. 
I think he has he has his own opinions. He's clearly mm. um, had you know ha has many things he would like to discuss. I think he sits on the fence brilliantly. I think he listens to people, and I think what he said this week was quite interesting. And and it, there was there's been many discussions with with different people on that show, and and I think some people have come out. Jeremy Kyle's another one. He, he's he's replaced Piers Morgan for a couple of months while he's on holiday, and he I think. It was Jeremy Kyle who said it. He, he essentially said, if you don't want to watch Love Thy Neighbour, you just switch it off. If you don't want to watch a comedian who's known for racist jokes or for, for, for homophobic jokes or for that, you, you don't buy a ticket. But is that is that an old is that an old thing now? Do, is, that, is that the way we should be? Um, you know, or do we have to ban all of this together? Does it just all need to be banned? What, what's your views on that? I, I think the problem is, is this too many people don't have a strong enough filter of their own. Mm. The off switch is a powerful thing. If you don't like it, you turn it off. That's, yeah. that's the best way to avoid it, and certainly in certain respects. But then, if you're allowing that to be broadcast to wider society with the influence on young minds and younger people to, you know, to say, is this acceptable to be broadcast? Is this acceptable? a view that's acceptable to be publicised, that's where it gets difficult. Mm -hmm. That's where sometimes the off switch isn't enough. Um, for me, I'm not going offended by no God, I'm offended by very little. You've all seen me with bloody budgets, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> that's entertainment. Uh, that's, there you go, you see. But at the same time, you know, um, I, I, I'm a great believer in the off switch. If I'm paid off with something, bang. Yeah. So what, okay. You know. All right, Steve Wilkinson. It's it's look. We've turned into a, a, an episode of Question Time for <laughs> this last ten minutes, it's, <laughs> and we all do have to tread carefully. This is the thing. I mean, you know, it, because the question was asked by Alan, and I would normally not not get involved because I know how these things can turn out, and then something can be clipped. It can make us look, you know, like old dinosaurs or whatever. But you know, when people watch it in context. We're just having a serious discussion about this because it is important. And Graham Souness has caused this by saying what he said. So just, you know, you know, should there be some kind of, I don't know, should there be some kind of punishment for Souness now, do you think? If, um, you know, if, if this is the case and he hasn't come out and said it, he, he said, but he's basically said not apologising for it. No, I, I don't think, I don't think you can go back to the comments. A couple of minutes ago, Steve, Kenny Ranson had a comment on about uh, that, that it's very difficult to, to find the right words and, and a lot of correctness. That's the thing, political correctness. I come, I'm a comment against that a lot when, you, when you're talking about disability and, and getting PC. Um, as many people know, I, have, I go by the nickname of Wheelchair Steve and, and people are offended at that. Some people don't like to call me that. And, and if... Uh, if, if other people, I've heard it said that people talk to others and say, have you seen wheelchair students? You can't call them that. And yet I call myself it. It, it was a nickname my mates gave me years ago. And it, it was actually my brand for my company when I, when I ran my own business. So it, was a, it was a name that was, was picked out. And I've, I've, I've still gone along with that and uh, proud to have that. Uh, but it, it, I think we sometimes it, it, we get over the top. Um, when I've been on the, I've often been on the BBC and uh, they, they've been cautious of when when I've talked on uh, not so much total sport with football, we're really just talking about that, but on on the sort of breakfast show when I've been on there, we've often talked about terminology with disab disability and things, and it's it can be quite contentious. Um, I think the it, it, it's dangerous to to always have to be thinking of, of words that you've used, especially older generation. Uh, 
you know, that you're, you're used to using terminology and language that, that's, that's been around since your childhood and, and, and your work and life. Um, and, and I think we all I understood what he meant by it, man's game. And I don't think he was being derogatory to, to women's game at all. I think we're, we're all proud of the way the game has developed and, and, and how well the, the Linus has, have done and, and, and making the game more equal in some ways. Uh, obviously, they're, they're not yet getting the crowds, but I'm sure in time they will and that'll be, it'll be a, a, a popular game to watch. But I think what he, what he was meaning, I think, and, and the way I read it, so I didn't think anything of it at the time because I, I did hear him say it, it was that, you know, we're making a mountain out of a molehill here with the, the way the two managers, uh, which I think is where it was talked about, the, the fifty cuffs that came at the end of Spurs and Chelsea games. That you know, they, they were making a they were making a meal in some ways. The the officials of the the conflict between uh, Tootle and uh, Conte, but they were just you know that's that's the way men get on. And uh, afterwards, they, they shake their hands and, and as as in, in rugby, they just have a pint and get on with it. Um, so I, I, I'm not so much against uh, the way that it was it was taken, but I, I can understand why some people would get upset. Al-Walid, um, you know, customs in, in the UK, customs in Saudi, you know, what, you know, your views on Graham Sunis's comments? Uh, football is a universal language, uh, all genders. So uh, I think this is an everybody game. But uh, I, I, what I really would like, and I enjoy, uh, I watched last, lately uh, Germany against England uh, uh, final of Euro, and I enjoy the game. Uh, what I want to say, uh, what I want to see is uh, uh, men and girls play together uh, games and stuff. I think this is going to be fun, more fun. And <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this is, you know, I would like to see. It's, it's, I think it's going to be you know, much uh, uh, interesting. Good stuff, I believe. Good, good. I have a different opinion. Is this the end of free speech, Steve Hasty? Is it, or is this, is, is, you know, you know, because ultimately you could say some people saying free speech in the chat. I've got to give both sides. I'm trying to yeah. be, trying to be neutral here. John Spencer is is having a, an opposite opinion. It's called having an opinion. He says to Rachel a little bit of banter backwards and forwards. Everyone's keeping it respectful, which is great, but. You know, is it is it free speech? I mean, Steve Wilkinson said, I've got to be honest, when I heard Graham Sooners and I heard what had been said, I thought, well, it's just him not putting his brain in gear. You know, as a modern day presenter, commentator, it's just not putting your brain in gear. You should have, as soon as he said it, he should have almost tried to catch the words, pull them back and readdress it. But he hasn't. And somebody else has said in the comments, has Graham Sooners ever apologised for anything? Of course he hasn't. He's Graham Sooners. We know what he's all about. We know what he's like. But at the same time, you know, is it people people saying it's the end of free speech? Is it? I'm not too sure, Steve. If Graham Sooners hasn't apologised, but when Sky, when he's next on, makes him wear the badge with his pronoun on that says dick or prick, then we'll know a little bit more about it, won't we? That's the way that he's going to come over. Um, to be perfectly honest, I mean, he, he, he was... If we put it in the context of the game that he was watching, it was 11 men against 11 men kicking lumps out of each other, pulling hair. Um, there was fouls all over the place. There was referees' decisions. The whole thing got out of hand. It, it got into a bit of a kicking match, and then there was a bit of a scuffle with handshakes and all that. And let's face it, the two managers acted like pricks as well at the end of the game. And and Soonis, that that's right in Soonis' street. That's what he loves. He loves all that sort of macho aggressiveness, and that's what he... It's a man's game. It's a man's handshake and all that sort of crap, you know? And and quite frankly, it sums, it sums up Soonis. 
the reason I think he's a dick or a prick is nothing, nothing to do with what he said. It was because the way that he treated Newcastle fans, because of the way he treated Newcastle as a football club, and because of the contempt that he holds us in now, because he's yet to admit, after all these years, that he was a crap manager at Newcastle United. That's the, that's the, that's the worst of it. That's the worst of it. Now, in terms of, of, of where we're going politically, in terms of political correctness and, and, and such like, the lads are right. The, you know, the, the world is moving on. The, it, the world is changing. I'm probably like many others of my age. I'm finding it very difficult to relate to at times. But I, I'm, a, I'm a father of two daughters who keep me straight, uh, keep me in check. Um, and and I have, I have varying opinions on the women's game that, that, that would probably fill an entire programme. Um, but th- this is not the platform for it, you know. Graham Soonis, for me, I, I, I just find I just find the man uh, an obnoxious idiot, um, and I just I, honestly, you know, he should. If 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 they did have anything, yes, make him wear that badge. Make him wear that badge with his pronoun on that says "dick slash prick." Then I'll be happy. <laughs> well, that's a great way to finish the show, uh, Alan Little. Um, keep your keep your questions to yourself in future. I'm just joking, mate. It was good, good, good to have a bit of a debate about something completely different. And um, Moza says, as soon as issued a statement, not an apology, and he was asked on Talksport if he would do it again, and he said yes. And what, what a great thing to have a, a hasty rant in the middle of the week. We usually keep them for Friday, but uh, it was great. Uh, Mitch and Steve, of course, will be back on Friday, uh, but I am going to ask George Alwaleed and Steve Wilkinson for their predictions for this weekend's game before we finish. Uh, so, George, Newcastle against Manchester City. How do you see two, it going? 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Steve Wilkinson? Heart and head job again, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I fancy ones each. I think the defence will hold out and will not let many in. I think we might sneak one. So, ones each. 1-1, one, one. and Alwaleed, last but by no means least, your prediction for Newcastle's game this weekend against Manchester City League, uh, league winners, of course, last season. Uh, what's your prediction? Uh, I, can, um, I can't say it's maybe 1-0 uh, Manchester City. 1-0 Manchester City. OK, well, Mitchell have his dice out on, uh, on Friday and Steve will have a prediction, as will I. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow, 6 o'clock on the dot with Super Mac and Gibbo. Uh, look forward to seeing you all then. Thanks to the moderators. Thanks to everybody in the chat for giving us the questions. And thanks to the panel, George, Mitch, Steve, our lead, Steve Hasty and Stu. Take care, lads. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye-bye.